Don't miss the Can-Am Holiday Volleyball Showcase, North America's premier men's volleyball event. Experience and enjoy world-class athletes, coaches, and competition in Toronto this holiday season, December 28th to 31st at the Toronto Pan-Am Sports Centre. Get your tickets while they last at www.cahvs.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Very excited for a guest today, assist to friend of the show, Andy Koss, for giving us a little bit of international flavor. So we've had uh, a member from Norway on, Estonia, and the U.S., and a bunch of Canadians. And today we're happy to welcome a member of the uh, national team from England. Uh, he's played at U21. Fans will remember he's also started his journey on tour. He's a two-time national championship uh, with Bournemouth, his university, where he played indoor and beach. So please welcome to the show, Harry Jones. Thanks for doing this. So you'll you'll have to educate well me to start off, but hopefully our listeners too. With most of us being based in Canada, uh, how did you start playing volleyball? Like, what's the volleyball scene in England right now? Yeah, totally. So um, I kind of started when I was around nine years old. Um, my dad was a coach, still is a coach, and my granddad was an international referee. And uh, yeah, from there that's kind of how I picked up the sport. Really, um, you know, sort of started just like going to games and kind of being involved with it. And uh, yeah, it's kind of decided I take it a little bit more seriously when uh, I turned 14 and uh, that's when I kind of got involved with the national team stuff and yeah you know in England we've got I think it's definitely grown a lot in the last couple of years especially with the beach you know um, about six or seven years ago we really weren't doing a lot internationally and now there's a kind of a pathway now for players so there's a lot more teams who are kind of going internationally you know getting on the world tour kind of getting themselves out there a lot of the girls going to study in the states and kind of get scholarships out there so yeah, it's kind of built from that, really. And yeah, I got my first caps with the national team when I was uh, around 15, 14, 15. And yeah, I never looked back. Uh, you know, jumped into as much kind of playing as I could, and a lot of stuff with the uh, with the England setup. And yeah, it's given me a lot of cool experiences traveling and playing. So yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Awesome. So uh, when you started, was it was it indoor court volleyball, or how early did you start on the beach? Um, yeah, so I kind of started when I was indoor. Uh, that was when, you know, when I was nine, started indoor. And then, yeah, to be honest, I was pretty soon on the beach from there. That's kind of where the main passion started, really. Like, you know, indoor was kind of a thing that everyone did. And the beach was something that I was a lot more uh, a lot more excited about, I think. Yeah, seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of players, especially in the build-up to the Olympics, that was quite a big thing. You know, we had a lot of the GB guys who were getting ready for that. And they were playing on our home beaches. And, yeah, that's kind of what spurred me on to get on the beach. And I kind of picked that up really yeah, about... At 11, 12, that was kind of when I was getting on the sand, really. Nice, yeah. Our, our listeners will definitely remember the the London games and, and how well how unique the beach venue was and kind of the lasting impression of those games. Did that have a big influence on England volleyball? Was there a bit of a boom or because it's the Olympics, every sport's featured and people just kind of stuck to their own thing? Yeah, really interesting question, actually. I think, um, obviously, for me, London 2012 was massive. Like, you know, we had lots of uh, tickets to kind of go to horse guards and even old court as well to the indoor and that was a really big thing for me was watching beach volleyball at that level you know I've never seen volleyball kind of at that level before and from there that like really got me hooked into this idea of playing internationally and getting involved but you know I think for the country there was definitely a, there was definitely a, a, a legacy a bit of a legacy but I'd say it's actually the last three or four years especially after the Commonwealth Games from last season that we've actually seen kind of the biggest boom in England you know I think it, like I said it was really really difficult with under 2012 especially where Team GB had probably their best success at the Olympic Games, you know, coming third in the medal table. I think volleyball did get a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit shadowed from a lot of that success. But in general, players, you know, it definitely made a bit of a buzz. But 
I would say the beach volleyball, the Commonwealth Games, has been the one that's really spurred people on and kind of got people talking about sport a lot more. So, yeah, definitely on an upward slope now. Nice, nice, very cool. Um, so you kind of mentioned you, you were in the pipeline for the national team. Uh, again, just for our listeners and myself, our own education, how do you get identified? Are you playing in youth competitions, and if you do well, you get identified, or is there a trial process? Like, how did you kind of get your foot in the door with the national team? Yeah, pretty much, like you said, to be honest, you kind of, um, you know, here we've got a pretty good foundation for juniors, and we always have had a really good foundation for juniors for indoor, and that translated over to the beach, I think, about four or five years ago. You know, you kind of, uh, it, it kind of goes from getting talent spotted, really. So you'll have national team coaches who are kind of coming to big events, you know, like nationals or regionals. And you get invited along to national training camps, which kind of happen over uh, certain weekends of the month. And then from there, it kind of just goes, you know, I think a lot of players definitely come into the England junior setup, but only a few kind of transition into the seniors because there's obviously a big commitment especially when it comes to the beach, you know, there's not a lot of funding for our sport here in England. And it's kind of the ones who are willing to put a little bit more time in, a little bit more commitment that kind of find themselves moving up. But yeah, it sort of starts off with getting identified and then it's the ones who uh, really put that extra commitment in and, you know, kind of dedicate themselves a little bit more. And those are the ones who transition more into the senior setup. And yeah, you know, I think uh, it might be changing a little bit now, but that's kind of how I started and how a lot of my friends who are in the national team have kind of progressed as well. Nice. And, and you talked about uh, in university, you were able to play beach volleyball through that. Uh, how would you rate that level of competition? Like, is there a pro tour in London or was the university level kind of the best thing for a young up-and-comer? Yeah, again, yeah, another really good question. I think a lot, a lot of people may not realize uh, with the university setup in England is that we have a lot of, one of the key things that kind of kicked off uh, four or five years ago was uh, the master's programs. So, a lot of universities, especially ones who decided they want to be good at volleyball, started offering pretty decent scholarships for American and Canadian athletes to come over and do their master's degrees. So, you know, these players still are and would be coming over for a year uh, playing volleyball, getting their master's degrees. And that's done a massive thing for the level of volleyball in the UK. You know, lots of players who have come off, you know, run out of eligibility in either America or Canada. and They've come over in the last four or five years and really pushed the level up. And it's, you know, causing English, English players having to up their game a lot more. and It's definitely raising the overall level, not just the indoor primarily, but also the beach, because obviously once everyone finishes university, they kind of end up staying for the summer, playing on the national tour that we have here. and That's been a massive thing for kind of raising the level. Um, in terms of our beach volleyball national tour, we recently just went through a uh, kind of a relaunch of the national tour, and a guy called Jake Chief, who's been putting loads and loads of good loads of good stuff into volleyball in the UK since he played the Commonwealth Games for England. He's really been working hard to kind of relaunch our national tour and it's definitely on the rise. You know, we've got a lot more events, a lot more opportunities for people from all over the country to be playing and again, it's definitely raising the level and, you know, national team players coming back from maybe playing on the world tour or playing abroad, they're raising the level of that national tour even more. So, yeah, I think it's definitely on the rise and hopefully this season, the next season, we're going to see a real, real big boom for volleyball in the UK, especially on our national domestic circuit. Sweet. So if you had to ballpark it, how many domestic events are there for you to play and, and consider yourself a professional beach volleyball player? Um, you know, I think it's, professional is a really difficult word here. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Volleyball. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, at the end of the day, there is prize money for big events. But I think, I think a big thing for members of our national team is that we don't like to say that we're professional because... 
at the end of the day, you know, this isn't our full-time job. We're playing for a passion and we're putting a lot into it. But, you know, to be a top player maybe in the UK, I think, again, it just comes down to your dedication. And, you know, the guys who are putting the most time in, those are the ones who are getting the results at the top of the tour. So going back to your question as well in terms of the tour, you know, there's probably about, oh, I don't know, 40 to 50 events that players can play in in, in the UK, like tour, tour events during the season. But the big ones, you know, we have about four, well, three or four Grand Slam events, and those are the ones that attract the, the better players, have the more prize money. So those are the ones that we kind of really focus on. And then there's a, you know, a varying level, all the way from five to one star, similar to how the FIV works, that's getting more and more people playing in the UK. But, you know, the top players, those are the ones that are playing in, in your five stars and your Grand Slams, and, you know, those are the guys who are kind of at, at the top, pretty much, and pushing to, to, to you know, compete internationally and, you know, kind of make a bit of a name for themselves, really. So you mentioned in university, a bunch of Americans and Canadians have come over to do their masters, which I think is a great trade-off where they get to come and further their education, but also not use their eligibility that they may have over here. Uh, we're a big show on name dropping. Is there any Canadians or Americans that stood out that you were you were impressed with how skilled they were? Oh, you know, um, I wouldn't say name dropping because none of them. <laughs> I don't think any of them would think they're that big time. But, <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had some. You know, we've had some great guys here. This this year, for example, at the university, at the Bournemouth University for our girls' program, we've got a girl called Mia Marino, and she was playing in the NCAA for beach volleyball, uh, you know, Div 1 standard. Um, we've got a couple of American players who've been playing overseas, so they've just come over to complete their Masters and just finishing off pro seasons in Finland and France and different countries like that. Um, yeah, you know, I, like I said, it's kind of... I think you can sort of have that transition with players where you have some who are trying to figure out whether they want to go and play overseas and play professionally. And then you've got others who, you know, kind of think they're at the end of their career and kind of want to have like one more year of playing volleyball whilst having like a good experience away and having like a year abroad pretty much. So, yeah, but I've definitely, you know, for me playing through university, my I just obviously graduated this year. So, and yeah, like being able to play against a higher level opposition has been huge, especially with the beach, like, you know, that's when you're kind of testing, that's when you test yourself a lot, you know, it's really easy to turn around and say, oh yeah, I'm a national team member, or I play for England, whatever, actually those are the moments where we have to turn around and prove our worth, and being able to come out good on more occasions than, more occasions than none, I think that's been a huge thing, of really raising our level and making us better. Yeah, no, that, that sounds great. It just it seems like a neat way to find more competition. And like you said, even if you're not playing the best opponent, you still got to show up because everyone's going to give you their best game because you're you're the national team and they want to measure up, right? So I think that's, yeah. that's great. No, yeah, definitely 100%. I, um, especially with the beach, you know, with my university, Bournemouth was, Bournemouth is kind of like considered the beach volleyball university pretty much. You know, we're the ones that say we have the full-time program and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we've kind of had to always have our guard up and make sure we bring our best because, you know, can't get away with not being the best if you're going to be playing at a, at a high level. But, you know, I think the other great thing is, like, just the friends that have come out from it. You know, I've met some great guys from the States and from Canada, not just from playing at uni, but also playing internationally. And, you know, that network of people that you kind of get from playing volleyball at a high level is so huge. Like, it, it's honestly one of the best things about playing the sport, hands down. Awesome. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So you mentioned how young you were when you started and you were in the national team program. How young were you when you went to your first either like a CEV or even like a youth uh, world championships? Do you remember what that first experience was like? Yeah, totally. I was, um, I think I was 15. Yeah, I was 15 and I went to the youth Olympic qualifiers. Uh, that was in the Netherlands. So this was to try and qualify for uh, the 2014 youth Olympics in Nanjing. 
that was my first thing, and I can always remember it. Was, you know, it, it was very unknown. Like it's just you didn't, you just had like no concept of how big the beach volleyball world was. If that makes sense, it's like you know, whole other world of people, different countries competing at a much higher level than you. It was like a big eye opener, and it was so good because that, to be honest, that was the thing that really has driven me for the past. You know, five or six years I've been playing, like, you know, it was that thing to say, hey, there's a big world out there. And, you know, you can either kind of be a big fish in a small pond or you can go and put yourself out there and try and get better and think about competing against top teams. And, yeah, from there, you know, you kind of play more events and you kind of get a bit more accustomed to it. You get a bit more understanding and you kind of feel a bit more confident at the level. But, you know, every time you go away, you're just reminded that there's a big, there's a big world out there competing and, and training hard. And, yeah, that definitely you going that's that's what you always got to think about when you're training pretty much yeah yeah for sure so when you represented your national team at u21 what was the process to be either nominated or selected for that and then can you just give us an idea what your lead-in would be like are you guys able to train outside maybe a little bit longer than we are do you have an indoor facility like what would be a prep for a, a youth world yeah totally so i'd say um, you know to be honest a lot of especially when we're juniors now that we're kind of transitioning more into a senior kind of way of thinking it was very much like indoor in the winter, beach in the summer. And I think in the last three or four years, we tried to transition more away from that. So like every season, I played less indoor and more beach. And we were really, really lucky in Bournemouth to have an indoor beach facility for uh, since 2013, actually. And we had that all the way up to 2018, I think it was roughly. We were really lucky to have an indoor beach facility in Bournemouth. So we were training in there. Uh, just around our indoor season, kind of doing a little bit of pre-season beach work, you know, like low-level kind of stuff. That definitely helped us get a little bit ahead of the curve. So when it comes to those events in the summer, you know, you've already put a bit of legwork in. And then uh, going back to your question about how you get selected, you know, uh, for juniors, there's a, a pretty clear-cut national team setup. You know, head coach, assistant coach, uh, eligibility criteria that obviously athletes and players have to meet. And that sort of decides how you go about selection, uh, that's kind of half of it. And then the other half really comes down to results. Uh, I think coaches keep an eye of you know, who's performing on the national tour, who's going away, and also who's investing in themselves. Like, I know that's a really good thing about our coaching group is that they, they look to reward people who are putting themselves out there. So, you know, the ones who are investing their own money to go and train, the ones who are looking to get better all the time, who are really putting that commitment in, those are the guys who kind of come to the forefront of, I think, the coach's selection criteria really so yeah having those opportunities to train in the indoor beach and then that sort of leads into the stuff that happens during the summer as a junior and from there you know people get picked for certain events and yeah obviously there's quite a few people competing as juniors as well so the coaches have to be quite mindful of who can uh, compete at which age group who's playing the most events during the summer you know are the athletes getting to develop enough and you know does this athlete deserve this opportunity over another? So, yeah, we definitely have a, a mixture of results-based, but also looking long-term with our selection as juniors. And I think that's a really positive thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I hope that made sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, what do you remember from the U21 in China? Uh, not only the level of competition in your prep there, but also uh, friends of the show. I mean, Koss and Valius and, and Sora and Men were, were maybe instigating a little bit of the social activity but it sounded like everybody was going and fighting when they were in the competition but as soon as it was done it seemed like everybody in the tournament was getting along so what do you remember about that event yeah man 100 percent. i think that's a really big thing for junior competitions is that camaraderie that comes from it i also i think that's how the junior tournaments are kind of designed like uh, for me china was 
China was a massive experience for me because I didn't get selected to compete in the European Championship uh, that was the same summer at U22, and that was a real big crush for me. Like, you know, as all athletes kind of go through ups and downs, but that was a really low one for me. So China was kind of like my redemption thing to say, hey, you may not be doing this, but you are going to go to China. And for us, it was, you know, it's a big investment. We, we self-funded to, to go there, to compete in China, like pay for our own flights, pay for our own hotel and stuff. And the main thing for us was we wanted to make sure we got a good experience. So either win or lose, we were going to make sure we jumped into the whole thing and prepared, every, prepared as well as we could. And obviously, we went there and played in qualifiers. We lost in the second round of qualifiers to Turkey 2-1, which... You know, classic beach volleyball it sucks when you go all the way around the world to compete in qualities and you don't make it through. But, uh, you know, like I said, though, a big part of that was then afterwards, you know, with juniors, it, it sets you up for something more than just winning and losing. You know, you get to train with a lot of different teams who are playing, you know, pretty decent level and you get to have that training experience that you wouldn't have at home. Uh, you have a real good camaraderie after the tournament, like the Canadian boys are saying, like, you know, you hang out afterwards, you make friends for life pretty much, which has always been a real big thing for me in the sport as well. And Yeah, you know, competing in China, again, also it's just a massive culture shock. I think that's one of the best things about playing sport internationally. You get to go and see different cultures and you realise how, how good you've got it, <laughs> to be honest. You know, you really have to, you find out a lot about yourself when you go across the world to play sport at a high level. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't change any of the experiences that I've had competing for England because definitely shapes the kind of, not just the athlete, but the person that you end up becoming, I think. And yeah, definitely grateful for those experiences. Nice, nice. And to keep building, uh, like you mentioned, you played at university at a high level, you've played on Youth World stuff. How have you found transitioning to FIV events? So you've played in a couple one-stars. Is there a big difference playing like an age group tournament versus playing like men yeah. who are playing for a living, right? Like, Yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, the thing with juniors as well, I think, Probably the Canadian boys can go towards this as well. As a junior, it's it's really easy to have this big tournament to aim to because that's, you know, that's kind of it. Like, every season you kind of have, especially where we kind of have an advantage in Europe, we obviously have CUV and European age group championships that you can play in. And, you know, every year you sort of know, right, I've got this to aim for this year. Yeah, you know, oh, this year I've got the under-20s. This year I've got the under-21s and whatever. And you can go for that. As soon as you kind of, you know, transition out of that, haven't got that guaranteed competition every year and with the one stars and two stars whatever you're always looking at am i going to get in you know are we going to invest to go to this tournament do we know what's have we got enough points you know you don't have that guarantee so that's straight away something that changes but in terms of the level as well you know you can go to an age group tournament and you know if you're a main draw team there's a high chance you're going to pull especially at worlds there's a high chance that you're going to pull a slightly weaker team, you know, maybe from uh, maybe from an, an African team, for example, or an Asian team, you know, odds on they're probably going to be slightly weaker. It, it gives you a better chance. As soon as you look at seniors, there's not a lot of bad teams. <laughs> like, it's, even in, like, one-star qualities, there's, there's pretty decent teams all the way around. And, again, you always have that pressure of playing one-stars when you're in qualities. You know, you have to win two games or you're going home, whereas in age groups, especially in the Europeans, you know, you have a couple of pool games and, you can kind of think, oh, it's okay if I lose one pool game. Like, I've just got to win a couple of others to get through. And yeah, it's, there's definitely a, a big difference. And I think the, the biggest thing that comes from it is I think the teams that do the best in the long run are the ones who go to age group tournaments with a bigger vision. So I think, for example, um, there's a Spanish guy called Alex, Alex Herta. I think the Canadian boys know him as well. He's always a really, really good athlete at age group level. Like, you know, always 
doing well, he's won quite a few medals, but the main thing is like you can tell that his national team programme has him set up to go and do more. So even though he's playing at an age group level, he's playing and training and competing in a way that's actually preparing him for senior level. And this year he's kinda of had like a breakout year on the tour, you know, playing in four stars and five stars and taking big names and really competing at the top top level and really like progressing a lot quicker than a lot of players like myself because of that sort of pathway. And that, you know, if I can kind of go back and like talk to someone doing age group tournaments, it's actually realising they're awesome and it's really good to do well in them. But actually the biggest thing is using it as a learning experience, like using it as an experience that's going to get you ready to go and play one stars, two stars, three stars, whatever that might be, and compete at a higher level. I think that's something I can kind of go back to myself. I tell myself not to get too, you know, psyched up about results at junior level because those experiences are actually preparing you to play senior level. And yeah, for me as a senior athlete, you know, I'm still like, trying to transition realistically out of qualities and into main draws and stuff. And it's quite a challenge, you know, like, you've got to be resilient for it. Kind of, you know, know where you're at. And yeah, it's definitely, a, that's one of my main things that I've kind of realised moving into senior level volleyball. It's a lot more cutthroat than the level, the levels up there. You know, you don't have as many opportunities to perform pretty much. Yeah, that, that's great advice. Thank you for that. Uh, no worries. Just a quick uh, question, I guess, about where you guys are located. Have all the CEV tour events kind of getting eaten up into one stars, or is there opportunities for you to play in other countries' pro tours as well? Nah, yeah, pretty much you got it. So I think since the FIV have transitioned it, yeah, a lot of the, what we used to have was called CEV satellites, and they kind of equate to one stars now. So a lot of the satellites got taken up and become one star events. Um, you know, I don't, I wasn't really competing in satellites, but when they were there, like, I was more focused on being a junior and I wasn't really thinking about it. But, you know, it's definitely made it a little bit harder to get into events because events are getting a lot more populated now. Like, just for, I mean, that's always happened ever since the five star. Realistically, it's actually probably better for the sport because it means more people can compete. The level's getting challenged more and more. So, yeah, you know, being non selfish, the way the sport's growing that way is, is big. But, yeah, a lot of our old European tours have now kind of gone more to one stars. And, there are some national tours. Uh, you know, there's some really, really good national tours in Europe. For example, with the Netherlands, with the Aero Divisio. Um, Austria has a pretty good pro tour going on at the moment. Germany have got a lot of money in their in their pro tour as well. You know, for obviously for natives of the country, they get to kind of reap the benefits of that a little bit more. There's opportunities to apply for wild cards for other teams to go and compete. But again, you know, you can't expect them all the time. Like I played on a uh, in a Dutch national tour, you know, Aero Divisio. And we got a wild card for that. And that was a really, really good experience. But, you know, you can't get them regularly. I think a lot of the top teams are sort of taking maybe, uh, you know, maybe one or two wild cards on a national tour. The Swiss tour as well, obviously a really, really high level one as well. But, yeah, like you said, a lot of our, the main European events sort of getting brought into the world tour kind of kind of seen a little bit more now. So, yeah, it's just a change that a lot of players, or well, I think teams are just adapting to really. And, yeah, kind of going with... Nice. And just to switch gears here, uh, you mentioned your family at the beginning. One thing from my notes that Koss told me to ask, is it true your brother is basically the voice of beach volleyball right now? Is he a big shooter in the commentary world? <laughs> yeah, you got it. He's actually got his own podcast, which I won't name drop because I don't want to... Uh, oh, no, I'll give it a shout out. We'll, we'll share listeners. Go ahead and shout it out here. But yeah, so, no, totally, yeah. So my brother, um, my brother's actually my coach at youth, which is really cool. And now, uh, yeah, Louis, uh, Louis doing some really good stuff with his commentary at the moment with the FIVB, so... Yeah, I think he's actually heading out to Mexico this week for the Chetamar event, the four-star. So he's out there commentating. Yeah, he's a proud younger brother. He's getting out there and he's he 
definitely is the voice of Goose Volleyball a little bit at the moment. So yeah, he's uh, he's making his way around the world and yeah, he's living it up. Nice. And sorry, what was the name of his podcast? Uh, his podcast is Freeball. Freeball the Volleyball Podcast. So yeah, like, tweet, subscribe, all that stuff. Nice. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, and again, just to <laughs> Maybe switch. Maybe you guys could do a little collab sometime actually, get a passing diamonds and Freeball. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It's small world when when uh, Andrew Cost mentioned that I was like, no way. So yeah, you got your yeah. family's basically taken over the England volleyball scene. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Funny enough, I think um, we're, we're just in a little bit of a transition phase at the moment. As, especially with I bet Canada's kind of getting excited about it as well. But with the announcement of Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in 2022, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of change going on at the moment. So I think we just got kind of got to wait and see what that looks like in a couple of months' time. Uh, yeah, as we move forward. Nice, yeah, we did we did well in Australia with a, a gold and a silver, so we'd definitely be excited, and it's nice to have a fellow Commonwealth guy on the show here, this is good. Nah, I was going to say, actually, like, I don't know how, obviously I said earlier about the Commonwealth Games in England, but I don't know, like, what did it do for Canada? Did it, like, get people talking about beach volleyball a lot, or? Uh, I think it, it doesn't get the same attention for us as, say, the Olympics or even uh, Pan Am yeah. Games for us, but uh, I think it's still a major event, and for having... Uh, we, we do a nomination system based on where teams' points lie, and for, for our top teams to accept the bid kind of shows that it was an important event, and obviously Sarah and Melissa were playing well and competed well at that games, and then Sam and Sam, so I think as long as our top players are interested, it kind of grows the game and kind nah, of spotlights totally, the yeah. events, I right? Yeah, I really hope it does something to grow the game as well, like, big time. Uh, it, it, honestly, it's causing a big stir, and it's getting a lot of people talking about volleyball in England, so I hope, that, uh, I hope it keeps going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I would regret not mentioning this with all the volleyball stuff. You are you have more layers than just volleyball. So do you mind just talking to us about uh, kind of what you studied in university and all the other exciting projects you have on the go? Yeah, totally. So um, I studied television production when I was at uni. So I just got my undergraduate degree in that. So I just graduated last week, actually. And um, yeah, it's just something that I kind of have on, on the side now. Like, you know, I, was, I actually went away for a while. So I went traveling after last season for a few months just to kind of clear my head a little bit. And since coming back from my travels, I've kind of decided to really pursue this full-time career in, in beach volleyball and sort of take a few opportunities from that. And yeah, then I've kind of got my uh, my television and my film work to, to fall back on pretty much. So yeah, obviously it's, a, it's a, another passion of mine and, you know, volleyball and TV and stuff have yeah, kind of been my main passion since going through uni. But yeah, it's been quite interesting, obviously. I think a lot of student athletes in general probably find it like it's really it's really difficult to be like a high level athlete and a student athlete at the same time like you know there's a lot of people who do it really really well and have done but you know having the pressure of school and almost the social pressure of being at university as well and everything it is really really difficult to kind of do this thing full time and now that I've finished uni it's really interesting kind of looking forward because you know things are a little bit uncertain now and I'm having to be a lot more responsible and kind of really think what I want to do not just in my life, but with volleyball and everything as well. Like, you know, you've really got to think about what the plan looks like in the future. And yeah, it's kind of exciting, though, like to have a bit of freedom and do some different things. Like, you know, I'm moving to Australia in January to carry on playing and compete there as well, like during their summer. So yeah, all these new opportunities are kind of popping up since finishing university. And I think that's one of the biggest things I'd say as well, is like for anyone playing volleyball at uni, especially like the Canada in Canada and the States, like there's definitely more to do afterwards. Like, you know, come abroad, go and play somewhere else, try and play overseas. Like, there's so many opportunities to carry on playing after you're done with school. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations on, on the recent graduation and, and for going being a full-time volleyball player. That's awesome. <laughs> Cheers. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so we've taken a lot of your time here, but we do like to end uh, every episode with just a funny story that kind of shows in, in Canada, even though our athletes are playing at the highest level and most of them are world-class, there's still some unique uh, situations that happen either on the road or, or traveling to some of these events. So uh, do you have any unique story you can share with our listeners just to give us a quick laugh before we let you go? Yeah, I know, right? I'm funny. I was trying to think of it when you told me earlier as well. Like, all sorts of things just happen like, when, when you're away, especially. I remember there was once in a... There's once we were in Cyprus, and I was at a, I was at a youth world helping out one of the junior teams. They kind of rocked up from a North European event. Bags gone, like someone hadn't put any tags on the bags. None of the luggage turned up. We were literally like, you know, driving this hired car around Cyprus, <laughs> looking for any kit that they could actually play the tournament in. Going to like Sports Direct, getting the cheapest gear. Bless them, like they rocked up on court, like just dressed in some random gear that we got. They played against China there as well, and I remember. Um, you know, obviously, like with these new coaching rules as well, like with junior competitions, one of the Chinese coaches turned up late to the game and he wasn't let into the wasn't let into the court to come and coach. So he tried sort of like sneaking around to the side and kind of like you know coaching the team from the outside. I've never seen a place kick off so much. Like literally, you had players <laughs> yelling. You know, I, I thought it was going to be like a full blown brawl, just that like this round one quality game with the U19, <laughs> the U19 world champs. Like it was one of those moments I kind of stepped back and I was just like, wow. People are passionate, like people are really, really <laughs> passionate about what we do, pretty much. And they were just there dressed in some random kit that we got for them, only for about 15 Canadian dollars, pretty much. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's all I've got. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Even at world-class events, some silly stuff can happen. So that's great. Thank you. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Harry, for, for doing this. Hopefully you've made some Canadian fans. We'll keep an eye on you as you kind of enter, hopefully, some, some main draws and some two, three, four, fives uh, this uh, this year. And uh, we'll be rooting for you. And thanks for kind of educating us on England volleyball. It's exciting. We're kind of similar in a lot of areas, but you guys do some unique stuff. And it was kind of good to hear your side of that. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for having me on. It's been really good to... Uh... Yeah, kind of share a little bit of perspective and kind of raise the raise the game. I think, like, yeah, keep spreading the word. And, yeah, you know, things like you, you guys with the podcast as well. Like, it's doing such a good thing to keep growing the game. And yeah, hopefully we see more of that going forward. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on once you've you know been on the podium a few times and we can brag that we really sparked your <laughs> career. <so>. And uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you. Movember is the leading charity dedicated to changing the face of men's health around the world. This Movember, whatever mustache you grow, will save a bro. Donating to Movember will help raise funds and awareness for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and mental health and suicide prevention. There are lots of volleyball bros growing their mold that you can donate to, or if you don't know anyone, yours truly and Passing Dime's own Josh Nickel is raising funds for Movember. Head over to mobro, M-O-B-R-O dot C-O slash Josh Nickel J-O-S-H-N-I-C-H-O-L to donate.